0: You know cool <laughs> driver <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Interstate Wrestling Podcast, the wrestling fan podcast brought to you by the Lunchador Podcast Network on a journey, as always, of wrestling fandom, wrestling enthusiasm, enjoyment and total nerdism. I'm your co-host James and I'm Josh Mordecai. Excited to do kind of a quick check
0: in on the state of wrestling so far in 2021.
1: In a wild couple weeks and as we often tease here in the uh, the beginning don't we there's been some wild and crazy shit gone down we'll get into that but um speaking of wild and crazy shit episode 10 we're in double digits sir we've made it it,
0: it <laughs> flew by the things we've covered so far in 10 episodes
1: huh <laughs> now if you're uh, obviously figuring my mathematic skills there are actually already 10 editions out there But of course, we were two nights for WrestleMania weekend. So a double album for our fourth episode. Yeah here we are in double digits uh, it's quite quite a collection of uh, wrestling nerds and that isn't it yeah we're doing
0: the the wrestlemania numbering it's episode 10 but it's our 11th anniversary <laughs> show
1: <laughs> exactly going with the vkm counting schedule yeah. here <laughs> also worth airing talking about wild and crazy stuff we connected earlier this week didn't we i was rummaging through some boxes and found some wrestling tickets and wrestling mm-hmm. memorabilia and uh As I think we exchanged and agreed, we have both spent some time rifling and looking for Young Books bills as they've exploded out of the cannons. I happen to stumble across a couple. um, I think they're actually from the Dynamite taping that I went to in Boston. But you found something wild and crazy on eBay about the Young Books books, didn't you?
0: Yeah, the all out 2019 Young Books dollars are selling for $30 on eBay right now which is, there's so many of them out there. (laughs) There are a lot of people who are sitting on, you know, a tank of gas right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking ridiculous. It is. Yeah. If you've been to a a Young Books appearance uh, match and you've grabbed a hold of these things, they're literally made from tissue paper, aren't they? Yeah. And like I
0: said, Matt and I grabbed a bunch from the ROH New Japan tour in Know oh, 2017 ish, no idea where they are, but if 2019 is going for 30,
1: then you should probably hunt those down. Yeah, <laughs> I was being flippant, suggesting they had a 0.00000001 <laughs> super kick value. Lo and behold, those uh, hundred dollar Nick and Matt bills have some cash value. <laughs> yeah, so folks, if you're listening to this and you've got some Young Books books stashed in your draws or in the middle of your last pwg program or whatever you've got get those bills out and get them turned into some cash yeah i am surprised i I mean i guess i shouldn't be right i'm surprised and shocked at the consumer value that certain (laughs) things have in this world at this time yeah like we said there has been some wild and crazy shit going on in the wrestling world since we last got together and had a conversation let's dive straight into this because there's so many places to go and so many things to dissect for a second why don't we hit the interstate straight out of the gates here and let's talk about the state of wrestling over the last couple weeks oh yeah let's do it Alrighty, the state of wrestling over the last few weeks, and I know one of the things we really want to get into, especially as we're in the run now towards SummerSlam and All Out, two big shows from the two big companies. There was the GCW homecoming show this past weekend as well, again to date stamp our evergreen efforts here, which we invariably do, right? Some of what went down there was wild. Least to mention, spoiler alert, not to do prematurely. The Matt Cardona match with Nick Gage, but we've had the Slammiversary stuff. We've had stuff go on in Japan with the Drew Parker stuff. Yeah. We've had stuff go down on Dynamite. I mean, what the hell is
0: going on? Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to be having a conversation that's about the state of wrestling. That's not the fucking state of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> right? I feel like it's been that for so long that for us to, like, pause and say, what's happening
1: in this bigger picture is, like, really exciting, really refreshing for this show. That's an excellent point, isn't it? We are in true and literal awe, I think, is is what's going on, right?
0: Yeah. And, like, you kind of mentioned so many, like, incredible moving parts. I'll be a little negative later on, I'm sure, but just kind of the wide openness of what we're seeing right now is super, super exciting for wrestling in 2021.
1: Right. we talked an awful lot on previous episodes about the Forbidden Door and this metaphor of the Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know about you, and maybe this is just what I am or I'm not in tune with at the moment. But keep labeling this Forbidden Door seems to have tempered down a little bit. And you've got all of this explosion of crossover. Mm -hmm. People are popping up all over the place. Have you got any sense where that rumor went with WWE supposedly getting into bed with New Japan at all?
0: Especially with, like you mentioned, Slammiversary with Jay White showing up on top of Finjuice showing up in these shows. It doesn't seem like that 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 like that really had
1: teeth, right? That WWE was in bed with uh, New Japan at this point. I almost started to wonder for a second if the powers that be, whoever they might be, whatever they might be, sort of responded to that news story, that alleged news story, and went, <laughs> fuck that. Here's Jay White. Yeah, Here's Lance Archer winning the US IWGP title on Dynamite television and just were like... No, it's not happening. Yeah, and it's hard to deny
0: that story when some of your top champions are showing up in the other company. <laughs> right? Like, right. Especially, I mean, Jay White showing up and building it to be kind of Bullet Club versus Elite or whatever it ends up being. That's
1: massive and has to be not good news for Vince. Right. What do you imagine the residuals are? If You have to speculate at this point if I'm going to put us on the spot. What do you think of the residuals of that are? Because some of the, I guess backlash, backlash isn't the right word. Some of the response that I've seen online is, oh, we're getting Cena and Roman. Oh, we're getting Goldberg and Lashley. Yeah. You mentioned in a previous episode that as, and and I'm not I'm not dumping I'm not dunking on WWE here. Just sort of expressing an observation as it's out there. You've got. All of these promotions, including the indies, really pushing the envelope, really driving some crazy shit, and the WWE are peddling John Cena and Goldberg back out. First of all, I think it's WrestleMania backlash now, isn't that?
0: Not just backlash. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I think we've kind of seen like we've gone from it's like legit sport to it's a work, Right, to kind of that like NWA wrestling area. And then we end up with sports entertainment. And I feel like we're kind of in like the new iteration of whatever that is. And I don't know if WWE is keeping up with it right now. I think NXT UK is a great example of that, where you have these kind of other promotions working together. And Vince's solution is... We'll just create our own version and try to absorb everything we can into that. You know what I mean? We'll dilute progress. We'll dilute WXW by pulling them into NXT Mm -hmm. instead of how do we expand this out to include them? Which is kind of the new view that I'm seeing with like all your indies working together.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I saw Finn Balor had just made his way back up to SmackDown or Raw. I forget which. SmackDown, I think. SmackDown, yep. And again, not looking to dunk, not looking to be belligerent, not looking to be negative out of the gates about that happening. But I sat and watched that as well and thought, is this reactionary? Is this them sort of digging to try and pull things back up to make the roster compete? Make the main roster, in inverted commas, Mm -hmm. compete? Uh, I think we posit that NXT is certainly not a sub-brand to the red and blue, is it? It stands well and truly on its own and is Mm -hmm. the best viewing of WWE at times. But bringing Finn back up after he was so vocal about what was the metaphor or the analog that he gave of being sort of, you know, being on the red and blue shows is like being on a Hollywood set where you can correct all the mistakes and it's very finessed and it's very glitzy and glamour. Mm-hmm. You go back to NXT and it's like being on Broadway where there's no place to hide.
0: Yeah, and the inverse of that, of Karen Cross having that super theatrical, like you have Scarlet lip syncing you have the black and white intro super theatrical and then essentially giving like the no music to intro on raw uh, yeah mixed messages i think from wwe on how they're dealing with that
1: and they certainly need to position don't they again we'll get into SummerSlam down the road in a later episode obviously jockeying up to when it airs in las vegas in a few weeks They certainly need a position to put a big show on. And they do want to put a big show on. Mm -hmm. First time in a stadium since 1992. And certainly when we talk about SummerSlam, I'm just going to talk about Wembley Stadium for 90 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And go on and on and on about that Brett Bulldog match for hours on end. Yeah, You know, they're looking to do something big. They had a commitment to want to do something big when it was fully back in front of fans. Mm Mm-hmm yet yeah, really what they're scratching is a nostalgia kit rather than pushing the envelope on they? That's what it feels like, right?
0: Yeah, and I don't really... So, I guess it's a a long-term versus short-term fix, right? I feel like AEW is more the long-term how can we keep storylines going? And WWE is really hitting that kind of your saying, like, the nostalgia. We have four major shows. Who can get on for these four shows? Like, SummerSlam it's going to be Goldberg Then who do we get in for Survivor Series? Who's going to be a surprise entrance for Rumble? Who's going to be our main at Mania? Who can we pull back in? And that's not great for them, right? Like, I don't know. I just, I just, I feel like where wrestling is kind of going from how I'm feeling, WWE is not really keeping up with that right now. right? And we've talked about that before, that, that feel for, we can't trust a new star. So how do we pull that nostalgia pop? Does it on
1: some level, and again, I don't know if this is too provocative a thought, insult the intelligence of your fan base to say, we're only going to keep giving you that nostalgia kitsch, rather than saying, we trust you as fans to come along with us on the ride, on the journey, like bringing Carrie and Cross up and keeping that intro and keeping Scarlett and putting him on a massive stage. Yeah, I love what they're doing with Nikki Cross the ethos of what she's trying to do, this sort of everyday superhero. She doesn't really have any superpowers. She can resonate to perhaps the younger fan base rather than sort of invest in storylines into that and give them a big push. They're like, no, 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 no. You want to see Cena walk out. Yeah, and even your Nikki
0: A.S.H. Don't know why it's not Nikki Ash, but <laughs> Nikki A.S.H. thing is kind of kneecapped with watching Raw this week. I'm trying not to be super negative towards WWE but they're making it fucking
1: hard to not be negative towards them with everything else you have, right? right? So let's migrate to some of those other events over the last three or four weeks because my brain is just dancing around. We've already sort of touched on some of the things that spark this conversation. Let's come back to Slammiversary for a second. We we already broke this down. Mm -hmm. So the Kenny Omega title defense was in the post-match interrupted by JY, mm-hmm. impacts really are breaking down these walls yeah and they get jumped by fin juice there is all these evolving intertwined storylines that's a big pop because that was impact back in front of a, a fan base in tennessee wasn't it that was them back in front of a, of a crowd mm-hmm. as a digression for a second you and i talked about this recently the crowd reactions on these shows now and we'll really get into this when we talk about the gcw homecoming It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. These promotions, to go back to that point that we just said, all of these other promotions, whether it be Impact, whether it be AEW, whether it be GCW, seem to want to be bringing the fans along for the biggest reactions and the biggest pops. Welcome back. Yeah. Here's something fucking surprising that's going to blow your mind and out walks Jay White. Right. They've been kind of teasing that New Japan tie, especially with, like, Good Brothers
0: showing up, which is, like, a little bit like a, a looser association, I guess. But and even FinJuice being a little bit looser, but bring out Jay White, specifically calling out this kind of bullet club elite conflict. That's I feel like that's the clearest call so far that there's this relationship. We might be seeing those matches coming up, right? Like it's kind of undeniable now that Impact and by association, AEW have this New Japan connection that the Fed was going after.
1: Where do you think that battleground ultimately heads? Do you think it's a Jay White Kenny match in, dare I say, Japan? I mean, Kenny kind of left Japan with a little bit of a sour taste in his mouth, didn't he? Yeah. Do you think it's something that is, is impact a big enough stage at this point in time that they can showcase a Jay White Kenny match? So I don't know what their next, what impact's next
0: big show is, but we got AW in September. And then, of course, a January 4th show. Mm -hmm. That's like four or five months. So this could be kind of a build to a January 4th show. Showdown at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Which, at that point, like all bets are off. If we have the AW champion showing up in the Tokyo Dome on Wrestle Kingdom, that's fantasy booking from two years ago. Right. That
1: could realistically happen come January. Yeah. And that's a very, to echo your point, clear... Definitive, no guessing shots across the bow, that isn't it? That's if Kenny Omega walks out in the Tokyo Dome, one with an AEW belt. I do wonder if it's going to be around the waist of a cowboy by then, though. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hope so, but that we'll, we'll save that point for a later time. Yeah. If Kenny Omega walks out in the Tokyo Dome with an AEW title around his waist, and two, given again, bears repetition, the publicly shared departure that he had the contract stuff that i would say despondency was my takeaway from things i read they were dissatisfied ready to go ready to form AEW. shows up at the tokyo dome and those events happen wow yeah it's just it's collaborations of wrestling entities in a greater good isn't it
0: yeah and i think thematically there's a story there right of him leaving because he's disillusioned oh right And now he comes back and he's proven himself. He started this new promotion. There's a story element to him showing up at that Wrestle Kingdom show too.
1: That's an excellent and interesting point because let's play around with that a little more. Maybe he drops the belt in September. So he becomes disenfranchised, at least in character form with Mm AEW and decides to piss off back to Japan. Yeah, he has something to prove now, right? Right. Especially with his ego
0: being so inflated with being this belt collector. And now he's lost one, right? So
1: it's exciting to think where that could go. Yeah. Going back to reclaim his precious belts from Japan. Oh.
0: (laughs) And it makes sense. That's the other thing. It makes sense, storyline-wise. Yeah, it sort of
1: writes itself to some degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the Slammiversary stuff, of course. You also touched on the Good Brothers. They won the Impact Tag Team Championship belts back as well. Yeah. So you've got essentially New Japan stars still running around with the Impact belts around their waist, right? Yeah. Slammiversary. I watched the Slammiversary last year. Again, no disparagement on my part. I don't love the Impact product. There's something about it that doesn't completely sell to me or resonate. Uh, I've watched certain shows, but there is, there is something that doesn't sort of immediately translate for me sure. as accessibly as... Even some of the indies, mm-hmm. you know, your CCW's, your Limitless, your Beyonds, and certainly not to the extent that AEW does, but they seem to really up the game for this slammiversary. And again, maybe that was, as we just said, a, a circumstance of knowing they were going to be back in front of the fans. They were in Tennessee, so on. But that seemed to be a wildly heralded show. People seemed to get a lot out of that show, and then it delivered with the way it culminated, didn't it? Yeah, and that's their kind of that's their
0: big show of the year. That's why it was released those like video packages this year, hinting towards the iconic showing up towards Dan O'Brien showing up didn't, but those packages kind of building towards it. Cause it is their big show of the year.
1: Right. Yeah. You mentioned a name there, my good sir, that we, um, we should pause and save for later. Cause again, talk about wild and crazy shit that's yet to be determined, but uh, a certain Mr. Danielson is hot in the news at the moment, isn't he? But we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. So Slammiversary was a big deal. That delivered. Then you've got the stuff that's gone on on Dynamite for the last couple of weeks. I want to come back to a point that you made that the slow build that predominantly AEW liked to do, and I'm loving this Five Labours of Jericho. It's clearly a build to MJF and Chris Jericho right. who are going to murder each other at All Out is essentially what's going to happen. I hope ultimately that, train docks at a station where it's either in a cage or it's a no disqualification. Yeah. And they can just beat the shit out of each other because again, consistent with the storyline they're trying to tell here, he's going to go through all of these labors. Mm -hmm. He's going to be owed his pound of flesh by the time he gets MJF in a ring. He being Chris Jericho in that statement. Right. But dynamite over the last couple of weeks, number one, the five labors of Jericho, the second trial is happening this week. Yeah and of course the first one was against the chairman sean spears jericho wins that mjf walks out on stage and walks out nick fucking gage mdk all day yeah the man the king the god of this
0: shit nick fucking gage what the
1: <laughs> fuck yeah. I- did you see that coming
0: no no God, no. <laughs> no, they, they kind of teased it with some commentary, but seeing Nick Gage show up on televised wrestling is unreal. Right. And also, like, how deathmatchy are we going to get with Nick Gage out there? I mean, this man died in the ring. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: right. How extreme are we going with Jericho? That's a good question. I-, I think that's on everybody's lips at this point in time, isn't it? Now... AW are not afraid to juice a little bit.
0: Yeah.
1: We've had plenty of blood. Yeah. That's segue for me to give a nod to Cody and Dustin again, of course. Yeah. We've had plenty of blood. We've had exploding barbed wire rings. Mm -hmm. We've had cages. We've had weapons. We've had lights out matches. So there's certainly some foundation for it to get a little uh, ugly.
0: Yeah. Are there going to be light tubes, I think is the, <laughs> is the question here. I think that's kind of the one uh, the one kind of virgin territory for AEW at this point with Nick Gage.
1: I'm thinking very specifically of a spot, again, prematurely jumping ahead to homecoming, of Nick Gage smashing a light tube in half and taking the jarred edge and just digging it into Matt Cardona's head. Chris Jericho is not signing on for that, is he? Probably not, no. <laughs> or is he? after watching what Matt Cardona pulled out this weekend, thinking, fuck, if Fanboy can do it, so can I. Yeah, like, full kudos to
0: Matt Cardona. He did not... He he spent half that match kind of, like, edging, not really kind of going for it, and then full-on going through a pane of glass. Like, (laughs) yeah, he, he, he did way more in that match than I expected. Yeah. So, good shout. Who knows what Jericho will do.
1: I certainly can't see Jericho dangling over the second rope with Nick Gage straddling his back in a pizza cutter, you know, slicing his, his head open. But no. nonetheless, what a hell of a pop. What a hell of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the the most appropriate reaction to Nick Gage hung up on Dynamite, is what the fuck just happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any sort of feeling about this though because you i assume and i i'm saying this purely speculatively that this is kind of a guest appearance on nick gage's part like he's not signing an AEW contract i mean i don't know again <laughs> purely speculative this is purely for the chris jericho mjf storyline isn't it it's good that they're peppering in these guest spots though as well isn't it it was like matt cardona showing up for a couple of matches and then he he's kind of gone off and he went to impact and he's doing the indie rounds and stuff like that It's given license to jazz up some of these storylines with talent from the main roster. It feels like a good idea to pepper in these appearances, right? Yeah. And I think so, like, deathmatch specifically,
0: I think there's some room for a little bit of it. You got Luther, you got Joy Janella, who are probably the two who've done the most kind of deathmatchy stuff, and then bring Gage in. But with other shows I've watched recently, there are enough names that cross over that there's a lot of potential things you could do that might be, could be a main show thing, could be dark, could be what dark elevation could be whatever the Friday show is. They have so much room to kind of move things around and kind of build these little niches for themselves with the television and with the
1: kind of connections they have. You know what I mean? Right. And to harp on and repeat the point it seems like an invigorating idea to pepper these type appearances in. Again, I, I suppose I am ragging on the WWE a little bit here. Then keep wheeling out your Goldbergs, your Cena's, your Rocks, your Edges for these nostalgic pops. Why not go and get your NXT superstar and give him a guest appearance on Survivor Series? Your Adam Cole's or you know your Johnny Gargano's, who who can, as they have demonstrated time and time again can hold their own in an, in an arena of a large live audience yeah and that kind of calls back the idea that instead of having a
0: an NXT uk like oh my god pete Dunn he's from progress what's he doing here oh my god walter what's he doing here right he's a wxw guy and this kind of interplay of promotions that we're seeing other companies do that isn't
1: the model WWE is running with while you mentioned walter for a digression He is having a NXT UK Championship defense against Ilya Dragunov again, uh, isn't he? The last time those two cats went at it, holy shit. I felt the chops from this side of the Atlantic. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) as Walter slapped him into the next week and then some. Yeah. I'm excited to see those two face off again. There should be a program around this again. I'm harping on a negative point, I suppose, is that could have lasted a year that could have lasted a year and a half and they feel a bit spotty don't they when they bring these back together it's like oh we're getting edge and Roman again for the ninth time without it being keeping the momentum keeping the build in place between i mean talking about promotions kind of
0: bouncing off of each other like you have jericho against nick gage who just lost to matt cardona who's an impact and has a feud with brian myers so now what role does brian myers have in all this right so that kind of allowing that to breathe a little bit and have these people kind of bounce around. Walter and Ilya Dragunov is going to be an NXT UK match. And no matter what happens, it's not going to affect a US title match or an IC match or a world title match. You know what I mean? Right. As opposed to kind of opening it up to, pun not intended, what impact does this have on everything else going, <laughs> going on? <laughs>
1: It's trusting that your fan base can come along for the ride to join all these dots Mm -hmm. with you, right? Mm -hmm. Versus saying, here, I need to hand you this in straightforward, simple fashion. And your fan base is a bit more complex than that. They can join all of these participants in a feud together. They can recognize all of the moving parts Mm -hmm. and then join the emotional investment of the story rather than just being like, oh, it's edge versus roman for the eighth time i think it's an entirely fair point that to keep up with all those you have to watch
0: impact aw you have to pay for the gcw show you gotta like be kind of in touch with bjw like all these different moving pieces versus i can watch on monday tuesday friday to keep on top of the wwe product that's way easier to keep track of than all these other kind of promotions interplaying off of each other
1: you raise a fair point there so Maybe the counter-argument is WWE actually saying there's actually more programming on TV than you could possibly ever keep up with now, so we'll deliver it to you in palatable-sized fashion. We've made this point on much earlier episodes, haven't we? Yeah. When we actually tried to sit down and figure how many hours of wrestling we're on TV (laughs) a week now, which I think was 11 billion hours of, of wrestling on TV. Are they, in fact, saying, no, you don't have that time commitment. You can sit down... Watch raw and pick it up pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I've watched probably eight hours of non WWE programming just to see where those like interlock. I could spend the same time just watching WWE and getting
1: more condensed stories. I do feel like you can switch on the SmackDown on Friday night and be right up to speed with where it's going for SummerSlam.
0: Yeah, especially since those stories don't really cross over. Right, right. Like once, maybe twice a year, you get smackdown
1: and raw on the same show yeah good point to not lose sight of another event on dynamite in the last few weeks right as we on i believe our last episode said holy shit alistair black got cut from wwe yeah no sooner was he cut and we <laughs> we <laughs> were redundant in that point and he appears in the middle of a aw ring and kicks on Anderson and cody rhodes in the face yeah Worth noting, a nice little slip-up on the part of contractual obligations there that apparently Tommy mm-hmm. End had seemingly, from the back office, retained a 30-day no-compete clause, not a 90-day, which they seem
0: to
1: em- yeah. to have enforced on other people, allowing that appearance. But I'm super, super thrilled. I am beyond excited to see Tommy End, Malachi Black now, yeah. land in AEW. I think we had discussions... With our good friend and brother Matt Knotts from the Beer Review Journal, we were talking about it as a group, weren't we? That he'd look good at Ring of Honor against the Brody King stuff and, and, and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. I just think he's too big a star to no. And again, no disparagement on Ring of Honor, but he deserves to be on weekly television, Tommy End. Yeah. And with what we talked about it with the connections between companies, who knows? I mean,
0: he could pop up in roh he could pop up in impact he could pop up in mlw he could show up in new japan like yeah possibility kind of endless on
1: who he faces down clearly looks like he's gonna kick off with a feud against cody yeah are you there for that where's your temperature on that what do you think about that yeah i think of kind of a classic
0: like good guy bad guy story malachi black this embodiment of evil versus cody who's like the the son of a son of a plumber Right. Like this American nightmare dream thing of like (laughs) the perpetual good guy versus this dark force. I think that's kind of a compelling
1: storyline if they build it in that way parallel would be taker and sean from that heaven and hell match wouldn't it (laughs) yeah they do seem to be conspicuously you know tommy end is in absolute all black and cody's coming out in the white suits the white shirts with the green ties and the white glare on the screen is you know it's burning the back of your retinas yeah they definitely are playing up this good versus evil heaven hell angel devil relationship aren't they yeah which is i mean kind of the classic story right i mean there's there's a reason why that pops up time and time and time and time and time again. And I think Cody needs it at the moment, honestly, because he had that fun match at double or nothing, mm-hmm. but he hasn't had a really good, for me, compelling arc or compelling feud, probably since the MJF culmination, honestly.
0: Yeah.
1: I guess the Brody Brody Lee stuff, the TNT stuff was later than MJF, so that was obviously compelling, but... It, because he wants to be on TV weekly, you need something to buy into him. Otherwise, he just gets a bit long in the tooth as a character, Cody, doesn't he? It's like, oh, here's the EVP again. Oh, here's Cody Rhodes again. You need something to bite off with him, don't you?
0: Yeah, and I think Malachi Black might be the next step from that kind of uh, Roddy Lee kind of dark character. Malachi's even further so. He's like the the final boss in the idea of good versus evil, you know?
1: Super exciting to see Tommy End pop up. Mm-hmm dynamite has been rad dynamite was great through the pandemic a lot of attention to having sort of the efforts of live fan reaction and obviously they had the smaller fan bases but seeing it back in an arena and seeing the pops and of course the last two weeks of fighter fest mm-hmm. fight for the fall and this week i mean they're pay-per-view cards i mean they're ridiculous that coffin drop match with Darby and ethan page uh, and i'm sorry if you haven't seen this I dare you to be able to look squarely at the screen for the finisher when Darby does his Mm -hmm. coffin drop (laughs) through the lid of the coffin. Because if he misses that by three inches, his spine is shattered into about 11,000 pieces. Yeah, yeah. They've built some ridiculously good cards for the last couple weeks, acknowledging they're back in front of an audience, haven't they? Again, that point of the slammiversary. Welcome back, fans. Here's a ridiculous surprise. We kind of talked about that off air.
0: The reintroduction of fans has been so massive. In how they've built things, how things have gone over, how sitting on your couch at home, you've reacted to things, right? Like that energy has been incredible in the past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, big time. Before we start to head to talking about GCW, because again, in terms of big pops, big surprises, big events, the Matt Cardo and Nick Cage event that we obviously talked about as well as the card as a whole, because it was fucking superb homecoming. Yeah. Let's change lanes back to the Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson and CM Punk rumors knocking around out there. So yeah. the social media outlets, the worldwide webs, the interwebs such as they are. The rag sheets, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Would have you believe that essentially two contracts are signed. Yeah. And Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, CM Punk are going to AEW. Yeah. Now, before we speculate where, when, how this could happen, before, before we get into sort of playing around with that for a second, what do you think about them going to AEW potentially? Good move, bad move, somewhere in the middle? I think it might be two different kind of motivations to go.
0: I think Punk, it's a little bit like a less intensive schedule. Whereas Brian, it's a little bit more freedom. He's talked pretty openly about wanting to go to Japan or the Indies or whatever and has that more freedom than he would with Raw or SmackDown or NXT. Punk, I think, could be okay with work a couple dates, go home type of thing. You know what I mean? I think it makes sense for both of them with who they are in their career right now to go for AEW versus WWE.
1: Daniel Bryan is obviously Brian Danielson, I guess what he will be called if this is all in fact true remains to be seen right he's obviously got a couple kids now and he's you know he's he's been pretty vocal about you just said it wanting less time on the road what's CM Punk's motivation to come back now I have to fully disclose we talked about my lapsed period my you know big gap in wrestling history where I didn't follow acutely And, again, CM Punk would be somebody in real time who I saw none of his actual career. I've gone back and seen matches, and I'm certainly well aware of the falling out and the departure from the WWE. Mm -hmm. He seemed to have shied off wrestling, sort of shied away from wrestling for so long. And, notably, the 2019 All Out in Chicago, this rumor was rife then, that because it was in Chicago, because of the Chicago obvious ties CM Punk would come back it didn't help that he was you know guest appearing at StarCast and doing a panel and meeting greeting fans and everybody was convinced he was going to come out and show himself for All Out 2019 and of course he didn't what is his motivation to come back why it's a great question I don't know because there's been
0: a lot of kind of kind of implication that he's not super interested in being back in ring he's come back to WWE as kind of on-screen talent but not a wrestler. So it's a good question. Is is it just that he kind of misses some in-ring action without the kind of intensity
1: of a full tour schedule? I don't know. It's a great question. You touch on one of the reasons alleged reasons that I have grown to understand mm-hmm. and it's that he isn't particularly interested in stepping back in between the ropes anymore. He's not in fact all that invested in being a wrestler anymore. Right. He's got other endeavors. Mm-hmm. You know, his wife is doing extremely well for herself outside of the ring. AJ has got her book that she wrote a couple of years back and she's a big promoter and proponent and supporter of mental health, charitable causes, things of that nature. He doesn't necessarily need a life in the ring. I think somebody like, I'm going to keep calling him Daniel Bryan because that's the name that comes most immediately to mind, is a wrestler at heart, isn't it? I, I, I'm not saying that CM Punk isn't. I just I don't have that relationship to CM Punk again because I didn't live and breathe it at the time. Mm-hmm. The journey that Daniel Bryan took to come back to the ring, getting medically cleared, my impression is that CM Punk doesn't necessarily want to be a wrestler. Daniel Bryan does. Given what you said with
0: his kind of medical issues, I think that's fair to say. Punk jumping to kind of the MMA aspect to keep that kind of combat sport experience alive. Whereas Bryant went more kind of the GM, how to stay involved with wrestling until I get cleared. I think demonstrates the idea that Dan Bryant is kind of more closely tied to wrestling than Punk is. Right. I mean, not to disparage Punk because if you even just watched the opening of his last ROH show, his devotion to wrestling seems to be pretty deep. And I don't know if I can, I mean, being just a fan, can say his devotion is anything less than Brian's to push him towards showing back up in front of that crowd to perform versus be a personality. You know what I
1: mean? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, if this is in fact true and these two names have signed, the two things that have been running through my mind is, one, what does this do to the roster? Because you've had a significant influx of names in the last year. Now, going all the way back to the start of the pandemic, bringing Matt Hardy and Brody Lee, Mm -hmm. you've had people like Christian Cage come in. You've had Paul White, who, of course, is more on sort of the commentation side. Mm -hmm. But you've brought an awful lot of nostalgic names in. Again, if we're talking about scratching that nostalgic itch, I think there's an appetite to see some of these talents wrestle, mm-hmm. but what does that do to the locker room? Cause now you're getting real heavy with some of these legacy wrestlers, some of these legacy talents, aren't you? What does that mean to like your top flights or your Griff Garrisons or, you know, talent of that nature who there's been clearly a heavily invested display in promoting them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're going to be fighting the likes of Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Chris Jericho, Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, for airtime, right? Yeah, and I think it falls on those guys you just named. Your Jerichos,
0: your Punks, your Bryans, whoever. <laughs> 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 kind of step up and be kind of the locker room leaders, right? Like, how do you build the next generation? You bring in the generation that's been new and let them lead the way. Maybe they're kind of working with those guys. Kind of the, what Matt Hardy has been kind of doing where he's been with so many different people in AEW to try to build them. Maybe you build a punk stable, uh, Ryan, he's out there with these guys or they're working these guys and they look really good against them to kind of build those characters as real contenders and as real names in the future uh, as potentially great stars for that company because of the work they've done with these established names,
1: that's a great point with Hardy, isn't it? Because he's got this Hardy family brand that he's got private party and he's got yeah Angelico the tag team. What the hell are they called? TH squared or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. He's built this Hardy family brand where it really is factioned mm-hmm. all of these up and coming talents again we talked previously and will certainly be a future episode sort of dissecting all these factions and the usefulness and function and relevance and importance of factions in, in wrestling storytelling but that's a good way to blend these legacy big talents nostalgia talents and then have newer talent development talent i think the team taz if that's what they're called well, yeah is a similar idea where it's yeah. taz is the signature leader but he's kind of more the, you know, the manager role and he's got the Will Hobbs. He's got the... Uh, uh, Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks, thank you. Team Taz is is an example of that as well with that developmental aspect, isn't it? Yeah. And again, another digression, I do love the rupturing that's going on with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks and yeah. the title changing hands there. And that's a nice little side storyline that's going on at the moment. So any thoughts where, when, how, assuming... Let's play around with this for a second. Mm-hmm. Assuming these are legit contracts, and I seem to be, I don't know about yourself, I seem to be seeing a lot more buzz that the punk one is all but ink on paper. Like mm-hmm. the Brian one seems to have a little less heat in it. Yeah. Maybe that's just punk, maybe that's just Chicago, maybe that's just fan fever. There seems to be a strong drive to want the CM Punk one to be done. They've got All Out coming up in Chicago. Yeah. Again, referenced in 2019. So there is a natural, conspicuous tie to that story. They also announced, didn't they? And the tickets went on sale for that Arthur Ashe New York Stadium show, which will be AEW's biggest out in front of a live crowd 15, 16, 17,000 fans. Mm-hmm. Tony Khan has promised a pay per view level show for that event. Let's assume Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Uh, signed. <laughs> and you're Tony Khan, Mordecai. How do you book that? Where do you wheel him out and what do you do first? I mean, Punk comes out in Chicago because it's hometown crowd.
0: Has to. Has to. Don't know where. Could be I guess it's how do you put both of them into the story might drive that. If it's CM Punk is the guy who comes out as a surprise, you could put him in really at any point in the night. Chicago, let's go out, come up. It's punk or someone's kind of promo, Cody is kind of promo. cult of personality comes in. Kind of writes itself no matter where you could drop him in Chicago. And then Dan O'Brien in New York City, again, really a shadow across the bow against Vince. you kind of dropped a ball about this guy. New York City is your territory. Here he is for us. Could he open the show? <gasps> sure, right? Like you know, the either use that a pre-show, cut fbi don't pirate this netflix out Fly the valkyries <laughs> right that's your opening oh. of that new york city show like there's so many options with those two but i think punk in chicago brian in new york are your two clearest paths for those two
1: that's smart booking as you were, were just talking about dropping the ball pun intended on my part Arthur Ashe is, of course, a tennis stadium as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, New York Territory, Vince's backyard. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know. 100%. Stanford is a sneeze throw from the uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, isn't it? So And MSG being, like, MSG is the spot for the McMahons. Yeah, Absolutely. My goodness, you're uh, you're making the hair on the back of my neck stand up, thinking about that Sears Arena <laughs> or whatever the hell it's called in Chicago. Yeah. Lights out, you know, may- maybe it is that like Cody, I think, inevitable Malachi Black match. Yeah. I think smart booking there is Cody gets his ass handed to him. He needs to lose to kind of get back over with the crowd a bit at the moment, Cody. needs to get absolutely pummeled. Lights out, Cult of Personality hits. Holy shit. And maybe straight into something with Malachi Black. Yeah. Which would be great because you get into
0: to kind of your Muay Thai, MMA style, right? Like bloodbath type of match. Yeah, big time,
1: right? Yeah. Goodness gracious. On a scale of one to ten, if you like, how legitimate do you think it is, either of those sign-ins at this point? I think they're both pretty high at this point. I think it'll
0: be, it'll be a, more of a surprise if they don't than if they do at this point. Well said.
1: Yeah, there seems to be about the most legs, the most traction on these rumors that there ever has. I mean, news sources across the web, they're all announcing it out. And again, you know, to some degree, that's bandwagon reporting, with all due respect. That's bandwagon reporting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But everybody is saying these signings, both of them have got legs. They're coming. One would be the biggest pop in the history of history, and one would be the biggest pop in the history of biggest pops <laughs> <laughs> and if not it's
0: insane for wwe to not sign one or the other If that's not finalize either of those guys isn't finalized and wwe doesn't sign them it's millions left on the table
1: <laughs> if vince and bruce and triple h are not getting on the private jet and hunting these people down yeah snatching the aw and branded pen out of their hands right wow yeah that would be remarkable but yeah to be seen watch this space folks because that's again wild shit in the world of wrestling what is the state of fucking wrestling at the moment <laughs> this is bananas yeah That said, let's get into, we threatened the meat and potatoes of this conversation would actually be the GCW homecoming. Yeah. And of course, not surprisingly, the meat and potatoes of this conversation has been just how wild, yet again, it is to be a fan, the joy of wrestling in 2021 to go with one of our other taglines. But of course, this past weekend was the GCW homecoming show, which if you're not following the GCW stuff, spend the 15 20 books and tune into one of the recent shows because it's spectacular shit yeah harking back to our bloodbath and beyond episode which is now gosh what episode three or somewhere in the rearview mirror on the interstate right single digits <laughs> single single digits <laughs> you have to go into a gcw show with a an, an appetite for gore or a yeah. resilience to gore one or both right yeah Tell me your take overall on on the homecoming shows, and obviously the preceding shows, because as we get into the Matt Cardona match with Nick Gage, that was set up at the last events at the showboat, right? The uh, Tournament of Death. Yep. How did this weekend's GCW events overall play out for you? So the setup
0: was super clever with Cardona coming out and doing the kind of Moxley motions right as kind of like the druid. Yeah, we're, we're both doing it in the camera right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> Uh, in, in the kind of druid outfit between the Moxley movements uh, and it being Cardona. And again, like, super props to Matt Cardona for doing a GCW-style deathmatch. Did not expect that level of blood from
1: Zack Ryder, right? The pretty boy with the bleached hair winning the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I didn't expect it. Yeah, and, and not even being, like,
0: the, what was it, the... There's a match that had darts in it. Drew Parker, Alex Cologne. Yeah, okay. Drew Parker, Alex Cologne, where he was throwing darts to his back.
1: There was the Jimmy Lloyd thing with the syringes through Drew Parker's yeah. mouth. I, yeah. I, I tried to make my wife sit down and watch those spots. And she <laughs> saw the first one go through his earlobe, and she was like, fucking no, no. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's night nice. Night two is the syringes. Night one is... (laughs) Yeah, it was two nights of brutality. I don't know. It was a lot of fun to watch. We talked about 2021 being kind of like the year of the deathmatch.
1: And these two shows were so fun to watch. They really are upping the ante across the board, aren't they? On deathmatch wrestling. And it's funny because this will contextualise to two cups stuffed two years ago with G-Raver yeah. and the Jimmy Lloyd situation. And, of course, on homecoming this past weekend, they're there as tag team champions. They lose to uh, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice. Yeah. Setting up a continuation of the storyline, which, again, I love a real good story in wrestling. I love stuff that arcs and joins the dots and connects. G-Raver and Lloyd break down. They turn against each other. And they're now setting up for the Second City Summit, the GCW indie events that are going to happen in Chicago the week of Out. Yeah. And G-Raver turns on Jimmy Lloyd at homecoming as a residual from that ladder spot from two cups stuffed. And I was just like, yes! <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Long-term storytelling. Long-term storytelling. But... <laughs> To come back to my original point here, they're upping the ante in what they do. And I think back to that G-Raver spot that went inadvertently and so accidentally wrong. Yeah. Like, fuck, guys. Like, the glasses, the light tubes, the, you know, Atticus Kogar with the meat skewers, which I think he stuck about eight collections in people's heads over the course <laughs> of the weekend. Uh, yeah, somebody looked like a cheer pet because he just jammed so many meat skewers in their head
0: was it the janella match i think it
1: was the Janela match yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah janella a couple times sort of gripped sort of his underarm and i thought oh fuck he's gonna get some artery cuts here or something yeah i'm a little cringy i'm a little apprehensive at how much this envelope is getting pushed drew parker is a fucking maniac yeah and for him to win that
0: bjw title 24 hours before the gcw title is wild
1: he wrestled three death matches in three days four days three whatever the timeline was right
0: yeah and like no joke because that it's not like that gcw show was light on him
1: (laughs) jimmy lloyd on night two handed him his ass I, i obviously drew one but yeah my goodness yeah And there was talent galore. One of the matches that I really enjoyed from, I think it was the second night, was the Caesar Bonani outing. Yeah, with Chris Dickinson. Yeah, that was a super fun match.
0: Yeah. I was going to call it from night two that uh, Starboy Charlie-Jonathan Gresham match.
1: Yeah. Being just a great display of technical wrestling. He had an outing against uh, Marco Stunt on the first night as well, didn't he, Uh, Starboy Charlie as well? Yeah. Like, it was just loaded with real good talent. Yeah. And... Again, a testament to the indies and what is great and insane about the indies is just what these gents and ladies alike are willing to put themselves on the line to do on the indie wrestling platform. I mean, look at the GCW ring. I mean, it didn't even have an apron around the ring, for God's sake. Yeah. It's no frills, is it? And they just are going apeshit in in GCW. Just the kind of
0: variety of matches you see there where it's uh, you get... Obviously, deathmatch stuff. You get a kind of intermission, kind of lucha e stuff. Mm-hmm. You get super technical stuff. You get a good variety of shows in that one one chunk of wrestling.
1: Yeah, it really is delivering the full smorgasbord, the full menu of what you want to see. Yeah. I really enjoyed the uh, Penelope Ford and Ali Catch yeah. match as well with Effie there, of course, out in uh, Ali's corner. <laughs> there was a real good spot there where somebody was supposed to go through that shelf, and it would not break. <laughs> yeah. So at one point they're holding hands with each other, just trying to kick the board in.
0: <laughs> That's my one critique of that, like those shows, is the the commentary. You could have done so much more with instead of just calling it whatever with whatever that commentary was could have done so much more and done so much with them not being able to do that whether it's that ellie cat doesn't have the power to do it or it's ellie cat being whatever yeah commentary on those shows was a little bit lacking for me
1: <laughs> yeah it's tough to follow up. the commentary on those shows became a little white noise for me if i'm going to make a yeah. critical critiquing observation but in that match
0: too Alley Cat doing that, like super deep Boston crab, and Penelope kind of rolling through it in that bridge was it was just so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Other standout moments from the from that weekend for you? The main from
0: night one was unreal. The immediate reaction from the crowd when Cardona won <laughs> was unbelievable. He got some heat. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, as soon as that three-count hit, Battle's were in the Ring.
1: It was unbelievable. (laughs) If you haven't seen the images of this online, the still photographic images of Matt Cardona just on his knees, his white tank top, crimson red from blood. Yeah. And all you can see... I mean, it looks like a Budweiser commercial at the end of the day because there's so many fucking beer bottles in the ring. (laughs) (laughs) He's just knelt down in a sea of pelted bottles isn't he
0: yeah
1: and i do dig from the second night as well because melzer saw that didn't he and i guess had plenty to say about that happening and okay sure you know pelting objects into the ring one thing but really what was being jockeyed for there was the heat yeah and Cardona acquired that heat and then some didn't he commanded oh yeah having smart mark sterling come out the second night for a bit of a promo yeah and advising the GCW fans that he had won the GCW yeah, universe yeah. belt. Not quite to the extent Cardona saw on the first night, but there was a couple more Budweiser tin bottles heading <laughs> in uh, Sterling's way as well. And
0: his comment being like, hey, fuck you. And that being the <laughs> entirety of his comment. like, <laughs>
1: So good. Yeah. No doubt. And to hark back to the point about the crowd reaction, we, we mentioned this early on in this conversation, that crowd at the showboat was there for that, wasn't it? There was no lull. Yeah. It was fucking white hot. Oh, yeah. From the Marco stunt match, like it was electric on night one and carried through to the end of night two, which ultimately culminated in Smart Max Sterling getting jumped by Nick Gage, with IRSP, Atticus Kogar, and the 440 crew coming out. out of War at the Second City Summit has become out of War Games. Yeah. So there's going to be an MDK 440 faction kill each other in Chicago. Cannot wait. It was electrifying that crowd reaction, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And I think I texted you the second or third match. I was like, this crowd is fucking hot on night <laughs> one, right? Like, much less where it ended up. It was unreal. And I think that's true of all the shows we've talked about tonight is just the crowd being back and how like that reaction, that response has been massive and how you feel at home.
1: The appetite for people to be back in the community of wrestling fandom, to be back in the community of seeing this live in halls, sports venues, arenas, Mm -hmm. we're chomping at the bit, aren't we? Oh yeah. So it's certainly translating. I did wonder, especially after seeing the Mania crowd and again, no disparagement here, after seeing the Mania crowd, they were there for that, but there was Mm 25,000 fans in a 60,000 seat arena, seeing the crowd reaction at double or nothing, Mm -hmm. and then seeing the crowd reaction when everything has hit the road, is back onto a touring schedule. It's coming through the TV, isn't it? It's inviting you in as the viewer on screen as well. It's bananas. Oh yeah. GCW, to stick with our interstate metaphor, need to lay off the gas with the stunts they're pulling with their fucking death (laughs) matches. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, to go back to a point I referenced earlier in the Matt Cardona Nick Gage match, where Nick Gage just bursts a light tube in half and takes the yeah. broken, sharded, jagged edge of a light tube, and is just jamming it in the forehead of of Matt Cardona. Yeah, <laughs> it's like,
0: yeah, fuck, come on. <laughs> That was a long shot of glass, too. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's
1: digging for fucking treasure in his forehead. (laughs) That showboat venue as well is immaculate, isn't it? I'd love to see a show there. Yeah. But uh, GCW delivered, and they've got a story arc. They've got a big story arc for Second City Summit in All Out Weekend as well. And a cross-promotional story
0: at this point. I mean, you got AAA, you got BJW, you got in patch you got AW you got MLW all tied into this 1
1: GCW show right the state of wrestling is out of control would be my opinion yeah. <laughs> and again not just the fucking state of
0: wrestling
1: <laughs> wild <laughs> stuff and it's going to be interesting to see because of course we deliberately wanted to touch on the GCW occasion from this weekend because yep. you head into essentially two big ticket shows now with SummerSlam Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what WWE deliver with SummerSlam, and we'll talk about SummerSlam as a preview in the in the coming episodes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, All Out with all that it is potentially going to put on the stage. Yeah, it's going to be a wild next few weeks as well. Because by the time we get to post Labor Day, what is the state of wrestling going to look like? Inevitably, we'll keep doing these temperature checks as we are fans. And what the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) to stick with that statement? But it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excited to see what happens across the next few weeks. Uh, Certainly be interesting to see where we land post-Labor Day, won't it? Mm -hmm. That said, as always, we should give a shout out to our Lunch Door podcast family here. There are some great shows on the network and we are massively appreciative to be part of this family and this network. There is, of course, the Beer Review Journal. There is the Anomaly Film Presents podcast. There is Mimosas with My Besties and Caleb versus Self. Some great shows to check out. There's a lot of fun conversations going on across the lunch door at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Want to give a shout out to the socials and our theme, Josh? Yeah, we are at IS WrestlePod and socials.
0: And, of course, always... Thank you to Alien Trilogy for a theme song at Beginning and End, Michinoku Driver. Thank you so much for a song that, you know,
1: great wrestling song and a great song for the show. Pretty lucky to have stumbled on something that sticks with the theme, isn't it?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Excellent. Thanks as always for checking us out, folks. So uh, we appreciate the support. We'll see you next time. See ya. I'm
0: Michinoku. Driver!